Chapter 5, page 90. There is something seriously messed up about Rich Marshall being around as much as he is. Since he's now the head guy at Marshall Logging, he seems able to take off as much time as he wants to play school, which he's been doing to some degree since the year after he graduated. I mean, the guy never left. He was roaming the halls back when I was a freshman. I understand why the football coaches want him around. He was a real monster when he played, and he's a good guy to introduce psychopathy to the other players. But he also volunteers in PE classes, sometimes, which puts him in the halls during regular school days more than I would like. He's kind of a cross between a kid and an adult, and I mean that in the least flattering terms of either. You see him in the coach's room being treated like an assistant, but you also see him hanging out between classes with Barber and the more arrogant members of the football team. A couple of times I've caught him staring at me with that same look he had when I wore my bloody t-shirt to school. And he makes continual references to the fact that they could sure use me out there on the football field if I had the heart for it. He also remarked recently on the number of black eyes in the Swimming Hall of Fame. Because of the deer incident my freshman year, my parents offered to raise hell that he's there at all. But I don't want that. Hey, when he's here, at least I know where he is. And now, he's popping up in even more corners of my life. I stopped by Georgia's Bra- Georgia Brown's house after workout a few days after my conversation with Simmet about the letter jackets just to see what's going on. She doesn't answer the door, but I have walk-in privileges. So I snatch some Gatorade out of the fridge, turn on SportsCenter, and make myself comfortable on the couch. Within seconds, big commotion spills down from upstairs, which tells me Georgia is in the thick of a therapy session. And I sneak a few steps up to see if I can get a glimpse into the playroom. Georgia sees me through the stair railing and motions me up. Play therapy, as practiced by Georgia Brown, is done live and in full scale, meaning she will drag in anybody available to play the roles that allow the kids to work out their life traumas. Most times, I'm a bad dad that they want to tie up and put in prison. So my job is to struggle and struggle and never get loose while still protecting my nuts. As I said before, I've been on the other end of this, so I never refuse. Inside the playroom, a girl of about four or five, with almost my exact coloring, plays with dolls. Georgia whispers, This is Heidi. I think we're going to need a bad dad here. Heidi has dragged a plastic basket full of dolls to the middle of the room, where she sorts them by color, placing the fair-skinned ones into cradles, tucking them in tenderly, singing bits of lullabies. The darker-skinned dolls don't fare so well. Those are flung across the room, stuffed behind the toy appliances. Some are beheaded and others are dismembered. She looks up. This is TJ, Georgia says to her. Heidi looks at me, through me, 
and turns her attention back to the white dolls. She sings and she urges Georgia to do the same. Occasionally she glances at me, but quickly turns away, gives the dolls their bottles and nurtures them like a nurse. Suddenly she stands and marches right up to me, grabbing my hand. She says, you be the bad dad. I've played it frequently. I know the role. Interesting that the kids all use the same term. I say, okay, I'm the bad dad. Find all the nigger dolls, she says. Georgia nods. You mean the dark colored ones? The nigger dolls, she screams at me. Georgia nods again. I say, the nigger dolls, and I retrieve two. Scream, Heidi orders. What should I scream? Stupid black bitch. What? Stupid bitch, she yells again. Black bitch. And again, Georgia nods. I don't like this particular bad dad role. I look at a doll and I raise my voice and I call it a stupid black bitch. Me, Heidi screams, yell it at me. And she turns to Georgia, make him do it right. In a calm voice, Georgia tells me I am supposed to yell at Heidi for letting the black dolls in the house. And I finally piece together from Heidi that I am also supposed to find them one by one, scream at Heidi for letting each one in. Get these niggered babies out of the house. They're stinky. And throw them out. And it wouldn't hurt if I kicked or punched them while I'm at it. It's a lot easier to hear that word than to say it to a little kid because I know the impact when you aren't steeled against it. But Georgia knows what she's doing. As I get deeper into my role, Heidi turns back to the white babies, tucking them tighter, rocking them as she rocks herself, never engaging me unless I lose zeal for my task. I find the last doll crammed inside an igloo doghouse Georgia has turned into a cave for some other kid, and I jerk it out by the arm, open the door to the hallway, fling it, only to see someone disappearing down the stairs. I am caught for one moment in mid-scream, but Heidi screams, Get these goddamn fuck niggers out of the house! And the dead come alive, and I am back in business and I hear the front door slam. Minutes later, in the living room, Georgia touches my shoulder. You okay, baby? Since I was two, she called me baby. Yeah, I'm okay. I nod towards the kitchen where Heidi plays. I can think of better things than nigger to holler at a kid. Over and over, I tell you, Racism is ignorance, I say back. The sound of running water brings our attention to Heidi in the kitchen. 
She is squeezing dish soap into the f- and filling the basin. She pulls herself up onto the lip, stretching to snag a bristled brush, and then begins scrubbing her arms. Georgia sighs and closes her eyes and whispers. She thinks if she can wash it off, her daddy will love her. Heidi's eyes focus on her brown arms, scrubbing. Georgia moves to the sink and kneels beside her, draping her arms over the lip next to Heidi's. Heidi stops scrubbing. Georgia says, hey. Heidi doesn't answer, but glances down at Georgia's arms, then runs her fingers softly over Georgia's forearm. Georgia motions me over and I take the clue, kneeling on the other side of Heidi, soaping up my arm. She looks sadly into my eyes. You're a dirty nigger too. Georgia tells me this is not time for political correctness. Yeah, I guess so. Heidi's sudsy hands touch my face. She looks sorry for me. I take the brush and I begin scrubbing my own arm. Dang, I tell her. I don't think it comes off. Wait. She pulls herself again over the lip of the sink, stretches to grab a soap bar, then squirts the liquid soap over it and hands it to me and says, two soaps. I wash my arm like crazy and then I rinse. We both stare at my arm. Nope, I say. What else can we try? Georgia backs away and for the next few minutes, Heidi and I try every kind of brush-soap combination she can imagine, including turning the water in the basin cold. And finally, I say, you know what? What? I think we're stuck with it. Heidi takes a long last look at my arm and then walks me to the hand towel hanging from the refrigerator handle. I dry my arm and she does the same. My forearm is red and raw on the spot where we have been performing our ethnic cleansing experiment. And I say, you know what else? What? If we keep this up, we could hurt ourselves. Minutes later, Heidi is on my shoulders and I am two-stepping around the living room to a Bob Marley CD that I have convinced her is the hottest thing since Barney. There is nothing of the rage and desperation of those last two hours in her eyes. But I'm aware of Georgia's continuous assertion that the only pure evil is nothing. For this moment, high atop my shoulders, Heidi squeals, visible and proud. But I know she'll come crashing down the moment she is degraded again. I know, just because I know that despair moves in like a flash flood when she is diminished. It isn't even about race, really. It's about nothingness. Georgia emerges from her office with a form and a pen and lifts Heidi off my shoulders and hands me the form and says, sign this. What is it? It's a confidentiality oath. What? It's a signed statement that you won't tell anyone anything that goes on here in therapy, so I can have you work with Heidi or any other kid who needs you when you're around. You're hiring me? (laughs) For far under minimum wage, I'm keeping my license safe, baby. I glance at the written oath dated two weeks ago. This is old. 
It's predated, she says back. Sign it before Heidi's mother gets here. She's already seen you with her. I don't get it. Didn't I see Alicia in the hall when you threw the doll out? Alicia Marshall? Click. I look at Heidi. Alicia Marshall's your mom? She looks away. This is Rich Marshall's kid? He did this? Watch your tone, Georgia says. You're a professional. I start to answer, but Georgia glances at Heidi and quickly back at me with a look that says, later. I disappear into the kitchen when Alicia returns, after which Georgia extracts two of the finest homemade oatmeal cookies currently in production from her cookie jar. Here, she says, you deserve these. I'm getting paid in cookies. Get used to it. Jesus, I knew Alicia had a mixed-race kid, but it didn't even occur to me that that was her. Do you know a lot of mixed-race kids in this town? Guess I better bring you up to speed, darling. I know part of this story already, but now Georgia fills me in on the rest. When he graduated from high school against all odds, the notorious deerslayer Rich Marshall went to work in the woods setting chokers for his dad's logging company passing up the chance to play football at the local community college long enough to bring his grades up to an even 0.00 so he could attend an NCAA Division I school. His girlfriend, Alicia Dalton, signed up at the beautician school at Spokane River Community College. She dumped Rich and began dating a black defensive back named Willis Stack and got pregnant. I won't go into the white supremacist militia dogma Rich began spouting in response to this interracial travesty in our midst. But Alicia was in love, and she and Willis decided to get married. Then, Willis was paralyzed from the neck down as a result of a crushing hit he laid on a wide receiver from Wenatchee. The story goes that he couldn't bear to think of raising his kid in that condition, or of saddling, forcing Alicia with his care. So in the middle of the night, about three weeks after he was released from the hospital, his brothers loaded him into their van and spirited him away, leaving Alicia heartbroken and lost. She dropped out of school, had the baby, which she named after Willis's sister, Felicia and went to work as a checker at the Jensen Brothers food store, where good old Rich shopped for his frozen TV dinners and Cheetos and Budweiser and started courting her again, every bit as pissed off as he was the day she started dating Willis. In her defeated state, Alicia believed Rich, when he said nobody would have her nigger baby but him. And they entered into wedded bliss. Legally changed Felicia's name to Heidi because it was the whitest name Rich could think of. They became parents to twin boys nine months to the day from the wedding and settled into a life of what Alicia described to Georgia as hell 
on earth. And that gives hell and earth a bad rap in my book. Heidi was not allowed to touch food other family members might eat or play with her younger brother's toys, except on special occasions, which occurred when Rich said they occurred, or when he was out of town, or passed out on the couch. This guy was every girl's parent's nightmare, a control freak with an IQ three points lower than his belt size. Child Protection Services got involved through an anonymous report when Rich decided Heidi had earned 25 spanks with his belt, 10 for for forgetting to clean her room, five for dropping her dessert on the floor after he had told her to be careful, and 10 for not washing out the dog's bowl. And he demanded that Alicia deliver the blows to his specifications. When Alicia turned out not to have the heart for it, Rich took over and Heidi was black and blue from the middle of her back to her knees. Rich's parents got him an attorney who was able to plea bargain him down from an assault charge and the kids were placed out of the home until Rich learned to manage his rage and meanness, and Alicia learned to protect them from his rage and meanness. Now, this is where I don't get it about males and females in the so-called civilized America. Alicia Marshall is a good-looking woman, and she's smart enough that she sure didn't have to settle for whatever emerged from the nearest manhole. She told Georgia she loved Willis Stack, and Georgia says it's clear that she loves Heidi. What could be inside a person that could allow an asshole like Rich Marshall to come along and take her kid apart? Georgia says it's what isn't inside a person. At any rate, they both started into mental health treatment, But Rich blew out of it in the first week. Anger management group and parenting classes got in the way of his drinking beer. A problem he solved by giving up the classes. Alicia got the kids back with a promise that she would stay in treatment and would never see Rich in their presence. That was perfect for Rich because he didn't like the kids all that much anyway. And he could see her often enough to make sure she knew she would never learn to live without him. In my view... Learning to live without Rich Marshall is like learning to live without cholera, the disease. But nobody asked me. As I walked towards my car from Georgia's house, what I know is this. The feeling I had inside when Heidi and I were scrubbing ourselves clean will keep Rich Marshall in my my life long after I would normally have had him surgically removed like a giant hemorrhoid. No way can I turn away from Heidi now. Her sorrow... Her sadness for my color has to be repaired. I'm big enough. I'm old enough to stop guys like Rich, but Heidi's not. George is right about bigotry and racism. The absent, the element of hate, a person's skin color is only an indication of his or her geographical ancestry. But with that element, it is a soul stealer. <laughs>